How can I know God is real? What does the Bible say about politics? Why does a good God allow suffering? If you have questions about faith, life or culture, don't be afraid to ask. This This is Ask with David Dean. Hey everyone, Dave Dean here. Our question for the week is a curly one. Does the Bible condone slavery? You know, you and I are living in a day and age where social issues are at the front and centre of public discourse. And I think that's part of the reason why many people view the relevance of the Bible today based upon really what the Bible has to say about a select few social issues. And for its significance as it relates to basic human rights, the subject of slavery is almost always near the top of that list in terms of smacking the face of our contemporary sensibilities. But little wonder. I mean, slavery is referenced all throughout the Old and New Testaments. In fact, Christians in the New Testament are called to submit to their masters. And that just doesn't sit well with us today, living here in the 21st century, because it seems like the Bible is somehow implicitly endorsing something that we know to be wrong. What can we say in response? Does the Bible indeed condone slavery? Well, first, we need to appreciate the historical distance between the times of the Bible and the times we find ourselves in today. As a resident in the 21st century, the word slave or slaves takes, at least in my mind, to modern atrocities like the transatlantic slave trade of African people, mainly to the Americas from the 16th through 19th centuries. We just can't escape those kinds of associations. But historians and theologians have noted that ancient slavery is quite different to modern slavery. What do I mean? Well, let's take one of, if not the most, unsettling passage on slavery in the Bible. Leviticus 25, 44-46 reads, As for your male and female slaves whom you have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. You may also buy from among the strangers who sojourn with you and their clans that are with you, who have been born in your land, that they may be your property. You may bequeath them to your sons after you to inherit them as a possession forever. Now, this law about slaves was given under the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, as a civil regulation for the nation of ancient Israel. And to our modern ears, it just sounds so uh, wrong, right? But we need to try and understand what it meant in its original historical context. And to do that, here's an analogy to help. Here in Australia, we have many laws regulating the buying and selling of tobacco. But at the same time, our government is all too aware of the health risks of smoking, and it in no way supports smoking, at least not at a public policy level. And it's like that here in ancient Israel. These laws concerning slave ownership aren't endorsements or positive statements condoning slavery per se. They were regulatory laws for ancient Israel keyed into the times in which they were given And to isolate them from that historical context is to rob them of their meaning and significance for the time and place in which they were given. But within Mosaic law more broadly considered, these regulations were actually governed by other laws, such as laws against kidnapping, laws concerning fugitives, and laws of the Jubilee concerning the liberation of slaves. Now, we may still have problems with the way the Bible talks about slaves and masters as a whole, but what we shouldn't be doing at this point is just assuming that we are reading in the Bible about slavery in the modern sense of the term. In fact, both the Old and New Testaments talk about the modern slavery that we have experienced in very damning terms. Mosaic law says, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. 
If a man is found stealing one of his brothers and the people of Israel, and if he treats him as a slave or sells him, that thief shall die. You shall purge that evil from your midst. Capital punishment was the result of being a slave trader in the modern sense of the term. But where this question really bottoms out is when we consider the overall theme of slavery in the Bible as a whole. As we move through the unfolding drama of the biblical narrative, we see that slavery is never promoted as a good, but it's rather a symptom of the fact that humanity lives in a broken, sinful world. And the central message of the Christian worldview is how God meets humanity where we are. Jesus Christ, get this now, right? Jesus Christ took on the form of a slave, Philippians 2.7. How's that for a scandal? You see, the bigger question in all of this is not why does the Bible contain laws regulating slavery in a sinful world, but why does the Bible contain God himself who became a slave in a sinful world? The answer? Well, it wasn't for more regulation of an already broken humanity. It was for the redemption of our broken humanity in his broken humanity on the cross. Jesus said, I have come to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Do you have a question about Christian beliefs, theology, doctrine, philosophy, or culture? Don't be afraid to ask. Go to drcdean.com forward slash ask. That's Dean with an E.